0: Hi, everyone. Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. After a quiet week, investors are gearing up for the final few weeks of 2023. Joining us today for the snapshot to talk about this final stretch, what it might have in store for the markets, and how that sets the stage for 2024. Glad to welcome back the Head of Asset Allocation for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office, Jason Drake ho jason happy monday morning to you welcome back and now that we're gearing up for the final few weeks of the year there is a lot to talk about to set the stage
1: Good morning, Dan. Yes, happy Monday, and hope you had a nice break as we prepare for this final little stretch uh, before the end of the year. Absolutely. So with the holiday season officially in full
0: swing, we're looking ahead to the final month, few weeks of the year. I'll simply ask, Jason, to start things off, what should investors be focused on between now and year-end?
1: Well, the last major thing we'll get is a bunch of data for macro data for the, the month of November. That will begin on on Friday, December 1st. Uh, That will give us the final read on how the economy is holding up. You know, you know, there's a lot of concern or at least discussion whether things are slowing down. So that will be kind of the key thing that investors will be watching. Uh, In the middle, roughly the middle of December on the 13th, there'll be the final Fed FOMC meeting for the year. Uh, At this point in time, it's very unlikely that they will hike rates. The market probability at this point is about one percent. But the focus then will be on. What does the Fed give in terms of guidance for updated economic projections, but in particular for you know rate cuts for next year? Right now, it is uh, two cuts for next year. That could change. Um, there also be you know, focus on any language in the statement and from Chair Powell at the press conference to indicate you know, does the Fed believe they are are done hiking? Do they still try to keep the options you know on the table? Uh, they will get uh, one more inflation print uh, right before the the Fed meeting, so they will see if of November data for CPI is consistent with what happened in October, where it was kind of surprised at the downside, and and I further affirmed that you know inflation is trending lower. And, and if the data, inflation data for November is like that, that would be not only justification for not hiking, but also some indications that they could say we think we've done enough at this point in time. So that will be kind of a key focus. The other thing that you know, it's not really actually on the calendar at all is anything on the fiscal front in the U.S. You know that can has been kicked out into. Your January, and there certainly could be some geopolitical events, but those are kind of hard to predict. So for the most part, really, it is you know the economic data, and uh, and what the Fed may indicate in terms of cuts for next year, or at least how the market might interpret you know, potential cuts for next year based on the FOMC meeting in the middle of the month.
0: Okay, so quite a few points of interest there to be mindful of. Just to tie in the U.S. consumer a bit, which has been a bright spot in the U.S. economy, you did highlight, Jason, in your recent blog, Spend Baby Spend, that the consumer spending data is critical to watch. Why is that, and what do you expect as we're speaking today here on Cyber Monday?
1: Well, I just alluded to the fact that the kind of market risk event calendar for the rest of the year is is relatively light. You know, There'll certainly be some focus on inflation, but given that the market doesn't believe the Fed's going to do anything, it's hard to see an inflation print really kind of altering that trajectory going forward. So that leaves primarily the focus on growth data uh, as the main thing that investors are concerned with, and that is uh, the consumer spending on on the one hand, and then any signs of softness or the labor market on the other. And and the two go together because as long as the consumer spending, the labor market should stay relatively strong, and as long as the labor market stays relatively strong, consumer spending should also hold up reasonably well. Uh, it really has been a case that both have done much better than this year, have been stronger than expected. And That's why we've seen growth far better than the consensus expectation at the start of the year. Uh, but what we are seeing is some signs of, uh, you know, of softness, which is you know, to be expected. The pace of spending in the first nine months of this year, and especially during the third quarter, you know, is unsustainable, and the rise in rates is impacting these segments of the different types of consumers. And we're seeing that impact in terms of their delinquency rates on credit cards, but also some other their spending data overall. So we're seeing some softness. That is to be expected. That's you know the, the direct consequence and desire of the Fed's hiking policy to slow the economy, you know, over down uh, slow the economy down. So that means there's gonna be a lot of focus then on the consumer data and coming out of the the hot long weekend with Black Friday sales, today is Saber Monday, there'll be a lot of focus on what sort of indications there are of consumer spending. Is it you know holding up? Is it coming down at all? Uh, going into the holiday season, there was a range of forecasts for how the consumer would hold up. Some, you know, reasonably positive, suggesting consumers continue to spend. Others suggesting that the consumer spending, at least on a year-over-year year basis, is going to be much more moderate, maybe even de- decline. So, definitely, uh, you know, kind of a more cautious tone of how this holiday season could play out. We will get a lot of anecdotal data points, and already, like on Sunday night, you can hear some stories of how well Black Friday spending. Went. We'll get further indications later this week based on Cyber Monday. Uh, I would just caution with some of the data that you know, these are anecdotes; uh, they're kind of one-off pieces of data. Really, until we start getting official retail sales data, uh, and we get November retail sales on the 14th, I think we should take some of this in a bit of a kind of a grain of salt, in that they're not very comprehensive, and, and definitely the data can be interpreted or, or framed in a way that looks either positive or negative. You know, overall, we expect spending will hold up enough, and same thing with the labor market, that it will allow for a softer dish to materialize, but that isn't inconsistent with expecting you know, some kind of slowdown in both the spending as well as you know, a soft labor market, at least for the next few months. And that's kind of what we're watching for, not only in the next few weeks, but certainly into the first quarter of next year. So, Jason,
0: it's interesting within the blog you go on to mention that investors will be cautious with interpreting the consumer data. How so?
1: Well, given that there's not necessarily that many things to focus on between now and year-end, there is a tendency when the area of interest narrows down to a single data point or a few data points, now, the markets and the media start to focus on this extensively. Uh, it tends to take on, you know, greater significance. So all, any sort of consumer-related data could end up being um, market-moving events, you know, whether it's right or wrong, and it could be positive or negative. But I'd be cautious in terms of the, how much weight you want to put on in any single sort of data point, particularly some of the retail sales data that we're going to get and any sort of anecdotes that come out of this past weekend's sales activity. And there's two main reasons why that's the case. You know, One is that retail sales are primarily focused on goods, uh, uh, and they miss the biggest part of spending, which is services. You know, roughly two-thirds ser- of spending is on services, only about a third on goods. So if you focus heavily on retail sales, you can miss a really big part of, of spending elsewhere in the economy. Uh, and it has been the case that and certainly you know, this year in the, in the third quarter, spending on services has been, has been quite strong. So people may not be buying as much stuff as they have in the past, whether it's big screen TVs, you know, home appliances, things of that sort. But they are spending a lot on experiences. Uh, we saw that during the summer with you know, the summer of Barbenheimer, people going to Taylor Swift concerts, Beyonce concerts, things of that sort. They were spending a lot on kind of experiences. If we look at some of the data, it still indicated that maybe the summer activity didn't sort of state consumers, but it actually wants, gets them to want more experiences. And a simple way to look at that is travel. Uh, if we take the month of November, we can see uh, for the TSA data, how many people are going through airport security on a daily basis. We can compare that with last year, but also 2019, kind of the final year before the pandemic to see how much is that you travel this year versus those other two years. And we can do it and see the data on a kind of light day by light day, meaning the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of Thanksgiving week. And if we take for November, so November 1st to the 23rd, the average, increase in daily TSA uh, put-through is about 10% versus last year. It's almost nearly 10% more travel this November versus last November, and it's up about 5% versus 2019. Similarly, if you look at surveys of consumer intentions to travel you know abroad, the conference board asks this question periodically. Uh, it's at a record high of nearly 25% of Americans that they attend to travel internationally in the next six months. So the retail sales data may become a little bit underwhelming, but it doesn't mean that consumers aren't spending. So it's just important to kind of keep that in mind. That's one of the considerations. The second is to take a lesson from what we've learned over this past year is that when you look at survey data, sentiment data, of asking people how they feel, what they intend to do, uh, oftentimes that looks you know, very pessimistic. Then would you actually see what people do and how much they actually spend? It's actually much better. So there's been a bit of gap between kind of hard data of what people are actually doing versus what they say they will do. So any of these survey data of how consumers will spend on the holidays until, you know, I'd say to just be cautious of that. Let's see how the data actually comes in, how much they actually spend, which really means we won't get a clear reading on the holiday season, and fourth quarter spending, and really therefore how the consumer is holding up into the first quarter. That means like later into January, but also into February. So just I think, you know, the markets may react a lot to some of this data in the next couple of weeks, positively or negatively but given the full read of how the consumer is actually spending, including on services uh, and then in the actual hard data, we won't really know that until the first quarter. So while well, the markets can move based on, some anecdotes, just keep that in mind. We won't get a full read on how the consumers holding up until early next year.
0: Until that point, Chase, in near term, just running with the markets, what does this focus on the consumer near
1: term mean for the markets, and what should investors do about it? Well, in the absence of a lot of news, the, the markets can grind higher, especially given there's positive momentum. And as markets grind higher, you're going to see some investors, both retail and institutional, wanting to chase performance into your end to kind of window-dress their portfolios, to make sure that they capture any upside that that exists in a year where even the markets are up, a lot of investors have been underweight risk assets overall. So the direction travel and the bias might be towards markets moving higher, barring some sort of unexpected event or the consumer data, the labor market data being really disappointing, in which case that could spook the markets. That's a possibility. But going back to my prior point, there's also a reason why investors might look through some of the spending data and say, let's get a full read in Q1 before we jump to conclusions that the consumer has fully kind of rolled over. Uh, Now, so that means it'll take a few months to be kind of validated for for that thesis that the consumer is going to hold up. That's kind of our view. But it's also important to realize that the markets are already pricing a, a lot of good news. They're basically pricing for the soft landing. So we really need things to go very, very well for the markets to keep kind of grinding higher, meaning we need to see inflation to continue to go lower. While the economy holds up, the consumer holds up, the labor market holds up, kind of like this immaculate disinflation idea that has been floating around at some points this year. We won't know if that's the case until early next year. We think it's a little bit kind of too optimistic that instead we're likely to see some bumps in the road as we get data that sees the economy slowing down. We think again to slow down to a trend or a little bit below trend kind of pace of growth. But as you're slowing, as you're coming down, you don't really know if that's, you're going to land at a in a positive level or trend all the way below to kind of a negative growth, I think. You'll see market volatility pick up potentially in December, but certainly in the first quarter after what's been a relatively benign last four weeks. Given that sort of very near-term outlook, our main message really is for investors to buy quality assets, whether it's kind of quality fixed income or quality equities as the best way to be positioned for potentially a little bit more upside, but also a lot of good news being priced in and scope for disappointment on the downside. And for fixed income, the quality bonds I'm referring to could be the treasuries, high-quality munis, high-quality corporate bonds, mortgage-backed securities, things that also would have a little bit longer duration. So starting to shift out of, you know, cash if the Fed is done. You want to lock in um, you know, interest rates at these current levels. And on the equity front, what we mean by quality consists of both sectors, including like tech that we upgraded last month, but also stocks that you'll know, have high earnings growth, high returns on capital. Uh, consistent increase in, in dividend payouts, things that we feel like can grow earnings in a consistent way even if the economy slows down. So that's the best way to kind of be positioned for both some uptime, but also your downside and not getting overly defensive in your portfolio at this point in time.
0: Jason, thank you for dropping by this morning to set the stage as far as what investors might expect and what investors should be monitoring over the next few weeks. So we do look forward to continuing our conversation over the next few weeks as we head into 2024. So Jason, thank you for dropping by this morning to kick off this week. Do look forward to picking back up with the conversation with you in the week ahead. You're welcome. Have a great week. Thank you, Jason. Again, today we have been speaking with Jason Dreho, the Head of Asset Allocation for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. I will point our listeners, our clients to Jason's blog, which we have been making reference to during our conversation this morning. Uh, That title, Spend Baby Spend, which is now available up on UBS.com slash CIO for clients of UBS. Simply reach out to your UBS financial advisor if you would like to receive. A copy of Jason's blog directly. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us.
2: UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the global wealth management business of UBS AG or its affiliate UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only.